Arizona Power Trip during Ram Power Days going on now at Bettenhausen Ram on 159th Street in Tinley Park. There's no time like now to grab life by the horns. Your best Ram buying experience starts now at BettenhausenCDJR.com. Welcome to the Hockey Show presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. The Hockey Show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Here we go on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Coming to you from the First Midwest Bank Studios in downtown Chicago. How you doing this morning, Brian? I'm doing great, Patrick. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, this. I feel like I'm covering a different team. Yeah. <laughs> like the last, it's been exactly, it was a month ago today that they made the coaching change. Wow. Seems like a little longer than that. <laughs> it does. It does. It, and uh, they've won 7 of 10 since that happened. So naturally, they had won one game prior to that. Um it just feels like the weight of the world has been lifted off the the shoulders of these of these players. And look, it's not the prettiest game at times. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out how they're doing it. The, I, explain to me how they won that game the other night in Washington. They're playing a simple game. Yeah. Now, look, they, they allowed 30 scoring chances. I think that's the fourth most they've allowed this year. So that, like, they're playing one of the best teams in the National right. Hockey League in Washington. Off a horrible loss. Washington blew a 4-1 lead to Florida a couple nights prior, so I thought they were going to come out and absolutely steamroll the Blackhawks. Yeah, because, you know, to be honest, Blackhawks are still that team on the schedule. Or other, others say, you know, well, that's a win. we yes, got to go get exactly. and, and coming off that effort against Florida, they're like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of business here. So they, they have improved. They're playing a simple game. They're better defensively. They're getting pucks out of the D zone quickly. They're stronger in the neutral zone. They're chipping pucks deep. They're in on the four check, and they're waiting for stars named Debrinket wow. or Kane. And I said a couple of weeks ago that he's a superstar. And I think some people thought, like, okay, let's a little hometown. Yeah, tap the brakes bias. on the cat, yeah. yeah. No, I, I legitimately think he's a superstar in this league. And, and is there anything better than watching the two of them come in on a two-on-one right now? No. In the National I mean, obviously, Connor McDavid is a, a human highlight reel every night. And Ovechkin, the the fact that they held him, and he did have an assist, but held him off the score sheet as far as a goal was impressive as well. And they're getting great goaltending. Mark Andre Fleury, over his last six starts, has looked like the Vesna Trophy yep. winner. We thought that they were getting his confidence is absolutely there. Uh, you know the the idea that you're still waiting on what four, five, six guys to to join the fun of scoring any goals, let alone what we're used to seeing in their production. I mean, it was great to see Debrinket. Set up, uh, you know, Kubalik the other day, right? Yes. I mean, I mean it, and a power play goal at that as well. But Kirby Doc, you got to shoot that puck. Oh. I mean, and look, and maybe he's just trying to help a buddy out with Strom, I mean, who's finally back on the ice and has a you know possible t- tip in. But that's an open net, and it, it, I, so t- t- try to take me into the psyche of a hockey player all week long. The problem with this team is five on five scoring and power play scoring, right? So. Derek King says, look, shoot first mentality. Shoot pucks. Don't look for the pretty backdoor play. Greasy don't, goals. You know, don't try to cross you know, through the box and, and you know, have the one time. No, just, just put pucks on net. Start the chain reaction. 
They make a save, rebound kicks to you, you pump it in the back of the net. You know, something ugly, like you said, greasy goal, what have you. And they're talking about it at nauseum. And he gets a puck, a beautiful pass. Give her up. He's 10 feet in front of the net in this in the slot, and he tries to pass through two defenders back door. Yeah. It's like, what are you thinking? And, and you know what, 14, 15 games, no goals for him, 21 for Taves. Up and down the line you go. I mean, the fact that DeBrinket's got 12 to lead the team, and you're looking across the league, again, three regulation goals, and you, you, you get a win in overtime. That's terrific. But that's, I mean, you're making it difficult on yourself night in, night out if you can't get four, five, six goals on occasion and make it, you know, have a laugh for once in a while. It's great they scored the first goal there um, because that's stuff they weren't, that, they weren't doing that early in the season. But, you know, talking about what Derek King's been doing, Every coach I cover in hockey talk about, you know, have a puck go off of your butt. <laughs> and it counts just the same, and then you get your confidence because you see your name on the score sheet. Right. Um, he's doing something right because you normally get a bump when you make a coaching change, and you can go from the hard-ass coach to a player's coach or a player's coach to the hard-ass coach. You can go to the other extreme of the spectrum and get – the results you desire for a bump, a game or two, right? I mean, it's almost like if you're betting games, as soon as there's a coaching change, bet that team we made right. the change because they're probably going to win that first game. But to do win seven of ten, yeah, this and, is a month now, We're... and still have the same issues that you, a lot of the same issues you've had. He's doing something right. It's not just his personality. It's not just because you know he's simplifying the game. But I start thinking about, you know, what what does it take? You know, if Derek King's sticking around here and, and he, if he keeps winning at a 700 clip, he's going to stay stick around here. But what is it about a guy like that beyond, you know, just Jeremy Carlton not being here? Maybe guys have been worn out because the Jeremy Carlton system wasn't producing and they were tired of hearing about it. But, you know, what traits make a great coach? I mean, Mike Keenan was, you didn't want to play for this guy. I mean, when Denny Savard... Tries to like you. Leave, leave practice, yeah. you know, because he's tired of the coach. That, that's a you problem. Yeah, that's a you problem, not a savvy problem. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if savvy ever had a problem with anybody no, other than no. Mike Keen. But through all the coaches I covered, and some were nondescript coaches, you know, I would take Craig Hartsburg demeanor, Lauren Mollikin's sense of humor, Daryl Sutter's sense of humor. Um, but you could, you know, mold... A perfect coach, How about right? Keith Magnuson's likability, yeah, and player respect, absolutely. Although it, I was at one uh, season opening banquet, and Keith got up there, and in honor of Stan Makita, he gave the twenty-one reasons that the Hawks were going to be great that season. And about halfway through, I said, "Thank God he didn't take Gretzky's number." <laughs> so, well, okay. So, who is the per- the perfect coach? If you could, if you could somehow combine the traits. and not just Hawks coaches. I mean, yeah, you know, you know obviously Scotty Bowman. You know, when when Stan is named for Stanley Cup, you know, Scotty did, had a pretty good career. But it's you, know, you got to get a Q attribute or two in there as well. Absolutely. Right? I mean, he mustache knew, he, at least. Yeah, yeah. He knew when to to go nuts. He knew you know when to do the right things. X's and O's wise, he's he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, th- there are a lot of different ways to go. I mean, I always loved being around Pat Quinn and Pat Burns. Pick a Pat. Sure. Pick um, a Pat. Any Pat. Yeah. Um, you know, th- there are a lot of great ones, and maybe there are hockey coaches out there at high school, amateur, whatever. It, you are there guys you emulate or you there that you or guys you played for that traits of a coach that you took in maybe even a private business you know what what is it about when, when i was a kid playing hockey 
after the miracle on ice, every coach thought they were Herb Brooks. Oh, absolutely! Like they they, they were they like start dressing we're, like them, and, and they and we had practices where we we didn't handle the puck at all and just skated, yeah. bag skated. Well, you, yeah, and, uh, and then like again, again. Oh, I remember Dirk Graham took the team off. It was the circus trip when you know we go out west, you go to Edmonton, you lose, you go to California, you lose, come back, and he took the team off the plane, took them right to the uh, Bensonville rink. And had a bag skate. Now, if he thought he was going to get a good response out of that, it was a mostly veteran team. Didn't happen. What do you think about Derek King and what he's done so far? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Let's go to the phone lines and let's welcome in Tom from Lake Zurich. Tom, welcome to the hockey show. How you doing this morning? Hey, fellas. Good morning. Great show. Um, played hockey forty plus years. Um, all of the coaches. I'll make two quick points and I'll get out of your way. All the coaches that you uh, rattled off there, successful coaches, had one thing in common, in my opinion. They held people accountable. Yep. Some were warm and fuzzy. Some were keen in that job. But they all held people accountable. And if you didn't do what you were supposed to do, you didn't do your job, you know, grab some bench, right? Right. Hockey is not football. It's not Major League Baseball. It's not the NBA. If, if garbage counted in those other games, you'd lose every game in those sports, right? But in hockey... King is just, you know, protect your zone, play defense, and get pucks to the net. King's going to score. The Bridges, Connor McDavid's going to make, right? Those talent guys are always going to get their goals. But the blocking and tackling, day in, day out, shift and shift out, right? You just do your job. And that's why King's successful, because he's holding them accountable and because um, they're just getting pucks to the net, right? Which, you know, Colleton was like, let's get pretty and let's get, you just stop it, right? Yeah, they were thinking too much under Carlton. Yep. Tom, thank you for the phone call. Um, that, that's if someone asked me, you know, what is the biggest change defensively? They're they're doing less thinking out there. The the, the whole sorting that they were going through under Carlton. How long to hold on to a man? Do you take him to the corner? Um, they're they're changing that. They're sorting from the slot out, and it's a little more. Man-on-man and zone coverage versus all the switching that they were doing. And honestly, it was it was boggling the minds of, of the veteran defensemen that were coming into this lineup. You look at uh, McCabe, for example. He's played a lot better the last month than he did the first six weeks under Jeremy Colleton. Yeah, Seth Jones too, right? I mean, yeah. just and, and look, any coach and and a lot of them go through the motivational techniques, the cliche stuff. You know, play for the front of the jersey, not the back of the jersey. And you, know, I think was it Lorney or someone? The guys had a tomahawk. You know, you'd award after each game, and you know, so you can do all that stuff. But if the system isn't being bought into, and people don't have faith that you actually know what you're doing behind the bench. That stuff is just, it is just that, cliche. And it, you're not going to get anyone to buy in. Um, but, you know, a lot of coaches, it's a long season, and there's, everyone's going to go through a drought. But when you go through the drought the Hawks did to start this season, I mean, the coaching change had to be made. But, again, Derek King's doing something more than just bringing a, a more um, folksy personality to the right, table. Right, right. No, that's a good point. Um, I, one thing he's done, and it's noticeable, he goes up and talks to guys like Taves and Kane mm-hmm. and asks them what they think about some tweaks that, that he's going to make to that lineup. Like the power play this past week. Hmm. He went up to Jonathan Taves and said, what do you think? We, we've we've got to switch things up. And Taves said I, he doesn't want to be a part of the bumper roll. That that's that's the the magic role that that somehow has derailed this power play. Tyler Johnson had it. 
the first month of the season when the Hawks were sixth in the league. Uh, since that time, they're last in the league at just over 5%. And by the way, Tyler Johnson going through an artificial disc uh, operation. Went through it yesterday. Yeah. Same thing uh, Eichel went through. And Eichel's back. But yes. I mean, it's going to be apparently, you know, three months. Here's hoping it all works out on that timeline, if not sooner. But you talk about what a toll this game takes on people and what they're willing to do to get back on the ice. The guy who's, what, 31? Yeah. Um, that, that's and, and he didn't have the, you know, he, he plateaued after that nice start, right? And so here's hoping that he comes back pain-free and we see, you know, him back in the mix and on the power play and, and things start clicking again. What would you do to uh, get some life and inject some productivity into this power play what would you do to get jonathan taves going i mean they're they're doing what they can right now by putting him with patrick kane but because you're doing that he's split up cat and kane and that's something like that's the one thing when Derek took over he's like well the one thing i know yeah i gotta that, keep that works to over there. Yeah. Kane, I, yeah. they gotta stay with those two the rest of the lines i have to work on well he's he's gone to the nuclear option broke Broke those guys up. So, what do you think about that? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Brian wants to know about uh, uh, the perfect coach. Like, how, how would you phrase what you're what you're looking for as far as the- either coaches you played for, or if you're coaching now, or and we'll talk to uh, Colby Cohn and and you know different coaches he's had. What makes uh, the, the perfect coach in terms of personality? Uh, intellect, everything goes into it, especially in a long season like the NHL season. Um, you have ebbs and flows, and, and you have uh, the rut the Hawks started out in. But what is it that you can get players to respond to? Um, we've seen some great ones in this town. We're coming up on the um, Christmas Eve firing of Billy Ray. Yeah. It's always a nice anniversary where you get the pink slip underneath the door on Christmas Eve. A lot of, lot of Chicago coaches have hey, been. I was, I was covering the Bulls when Scott Skiles. Was that Christmas Eve? Yes, it was Christmas Eve, and um, we pull into the Birdo Center, and one of the, I think, WGN cameramen said, I think I just saw Skiles leaving with a briefcase out the back door. And we're like, what? And sure enough, he had been called in to John Paxson and Jerry Reinsdorf, and they were saying, you know, basically, how are you going to turn this thing around? And he said, what if I tell you I probably can't with this group? And then they started negotiating a severance package. How about a paid leave? <laughs> yeah. And next thing I know, I'm working the eight hours or into Christmas Eve night because we're <laughs> we talking about a coaching change. So your thoughts on uh, what Derek King has done thus far, what's been the biggest improvement over the last month, and your thoughts on the uh, what makes a, a great coach in the National Hockey League. 312-332-3776. Just getting started on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app, on the FM 100.3 HD2, and on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. It's the Hockey Show up on ESPN 1000. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle with you every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Tyler Aki is our producer. 312-332-3776 is the way to contact us. You can also follow the show on Twitch. You can watch the show on twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. 
Let's go to the phone lines now and uh, let's welcome Jeff from Lincoln Square. Welcome to the show, Jeff. How are you doing this morning? Hey, good morning, fellas. Excellent show. Thanks for doing this. Um, I got one secret ingredient of why the coach is working out so well, why things are rolling right now, is it's he's able to put on a top hat. He's able to take these guys in the locker room. He's able to do that impression of the character from TV, Walter White, and say, I am the danger. And he's got these guys scared like you don't know what. And it's working. I like it, Jeff. I like it. We're going with Walter White from Breaking Bad. He does look like him, doesn't he? Absolutely. You you guys at NBC Sports Chicago put out that great... uh, The hazmat suit. Yeah. 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 so so in front of the cameras and behind the bench, he's just your great uncle and everyone wants to be around him. And behind the closed doors in the room, he's, he turns into the, some maniacal coach. I, I'd, I'd like to believe that. I don't. Uh, most coaches I covered, what you saw publicly is what you got privately, right? Yes, yes. No, this guy, he's the real deal. I, I told you he, he had instant credibility walking into that room, playing over 800 games in this league, racking up over 600 points. That right there... You're head and shoulders of pretty much most players that have ever played in this league. So those that are in the room, they're like, okay, this guy's been in our skates before. He's He knows what the losing skids are like. He knows what the winning streaks are like. He knows what bad teams are like. He knows what playoff teams are right. like. So he had that credibility. He just he has this Quenville likability factor, just kind of matter of fact, uh, you know, doesn't take himself too seriously. Uh, smart Alec comments left and right. He, he saw him where that kind of, to me, I, I said on the post game show that wasn't an interim sports coat that no, he had on. That no, that, no, that no. looked like that looked like you know everyday NHL head coach. I'm here. We're, we're going to New York. We're going to dress the part <laughs> this weekend <laughs> from the and Don said, Cherry collection. Yes, and and he said and he joked about it like yeah. he was the last question uh, that he was asked was about the sport coat and he said yeah it was distracting the other team every every time they they skated by the bench they looked over it and he said all of us kind of had a different looking coat on so I mean he's he's just like quirky uh, I mean from your vantage point w- what do you see when you when you see Derek when you listen to Derek King uh, I mean he's a guy that you'd want to have as his next door neighbor but so is Matt Nagy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you like that guy. He's, he's a likable guy, and you would trust him to you know watch the house or watch the the you know the dog or whatever when you're on vacation. But unfortunately, for guys like Matt Nagy, what you see for the last four years, even as coach of the year, the offense wasn't working. Right. Same thing with Jeremy Carlton. It's great to be confident in a system and, and have belief in what you're doing. But when the numbers are the numbers for three and four years, it, it's not the group of talent. I mean, maybe it is to a degree. At some point, you you better be malleable enough to say, okay, we got to try something different. And you've seen, like you said, Derek King has already said, well, I'm going to keep Debrinkit and Kane together, but this power play is such a, a an issue right now. He said, okay, I've got to try something different, and i got to split them up and see if we get something going. So he has split up right now, you know, five on five. He's got uh, Debrinkit, Doc, and Strom together. It was Hagel, Taves, and Kane together the last couple of games. That's the part I I struggle with. We'll we'll talk to Colby Cohen uh, from the Blackhawks in uh, just a bit. I want to get his take on this as well because I understand trying to get Taves going. And look, he's been snake bit. We thought he had that goal against St. Louis on Black Friday. It was waved off because of a review and an offside call. Uh, He hit the post uh, the other night in Washington. I mean, he is... 
He is a bit snake bit, and you can just see the frustration has completely uh, overtaken him. But that being said, um, you know, Kane and Cat only got one shift together on uh, Thursday night, and they end up scoring at the end of the first period. I'm thinking to myself, how can we not keep that magic yeah, I going? Mean, and look, I mean, when we were just talking during the break, when you're looking at the wild card hunt or race, they actually lost a spot over the week. And the gold differential, you said it, minus 21 for the Hawks. Right. I mean, Seattle's got a minus 12. But you should be on the plus side, and substantially so, if you, you really want to be a contending team. And again, when, when you're struggling even strength and you're struggling in regulation to break that three-goal mark, it's, it's go, I mean, it, you're, you're on borrowed time and you're, you're not exactly playing with house money here, right? I mean, it, you better start finding a way to get the four and five, six-goal games at a minimum. It, exactly. You can't, you can't count on winning 2-1 every no. night. It, I mean, it's, it's great just, to it's be just, a grinding team yeah, and defensive it, first team, but at some point you have to put you know, goals together in periods and games. And, and you have to have a power play that's been effective. And again, the first oh, month and a couple weeks, it was a top 10 power play. Yep. Since that time, it's been so one at for the 30? very bottom. Yeah, yeah. Well, It was one for 30 before going the, the, uh, yeah. the Kubelik goal the yeah. other night. Uh, let's go to Ray in uh, Lincolnwood. He joins the hockey show on ESPN 1000. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Whose decision was it not to re-sign this guy, Pierre Suter? He scored goals when he played limited action. He was a goal scorer. Whose decision was it not to re-sign him? Uh, that well, that was uh, ultimately Stan. Stan Bowman. Yeah, and I was a Suter fan too. Um, right, and Kurashev is pathetic. He should be a stay in the minor leagues. He's terrible. But Suter, they didn't re-sign. A guy who had a knack for scoring goals, and that's just what they need. He scored on the power play too, I think. Yeah, he did. He did. He was part of an effective power play. Uh, we saw, boy, they completely imploded the uh, the two power play units. They broke up. Kane and DeBrinket again. That that was the thing that's the head scratcher for me. You've got Jonathan Taves on the left side. Kane normally where he is on the right side. They have Gustafson uh, quarterbacking the top power play unit, and then they had Strom and Doc as your net front and your bumper roll. Um, I don't know. I, I to me, I, I think you got to load. I think DeBrinket and Kane have to be on the same power play yeah. unit. That's just my my opinion. Hey, and it's great that Derek King says, you know, the fourth line is doing its job and set up Seth Jones the other night. But you you got to get the first two lines going on a consistent basis. I mean, the fourth line, that's gravy, right, to, to have guys like that, Carpenter and Hardman and Slavin coming up. I mean, it, that was terrific. But you better, again, start producing. with Your stars have to be your stars at some point. All right, let's go to the phone lines once again. Let's go to Jimmy. Jimmy, welcome to the hockey show on ESPN 1000. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I disagree with you guys a little bit in terms of the third and fourth line. Yeah, I still don't like the personnel decisions they're making. They got so many grinders going on that on that team right now, and there just doesn't seem like there's a great chance for those guys to score. Uh, I'm glad they called Slavin up, but why did they send Kershev down? They they keep taking such a long look at guys like Hardman and Reese Johnson. And uh, they let Gaudette go on waivers when they never really gave that kid a chance. Uh, I don't know that he's going to be any good, but uh, he just never had a chance. And the grinders that they have aren't necessarily the big hitters or guys that aren't aren't intimidating anyone. There's no Tom Wilsons out there. Yeah, no, I mean, like, 
they they kind of try to put one of those on on every line. You know, the Kara on on a line, Hardman on a line. Um, right now, you got Hagel playing with Taves and Kane in that kind of grinder role. But uh, look, Kershev wasn't wasn't producing. He certainly is not. I would not consider him a grinder of of any type. So. Uh, and they're running out of guys that have to pass through waivers as well. So that's kind of where he stood. I thought Goddett was going to get a better look. It just seemed like there, you know, the the times he got out there, he wasn't very noticeable. What do, what, what do you think about Borgstrom? Have you? What, what, I, I like I like Borgstrom a lot because he shows some skill. And I know that Goddett wasn't very. See, this is what's hard to tell when you can't see the full right. when you're watching on TV. Right is like how responsible these guys are in the neutral zone and if these guys are really making the difference on decreasing the numbers of shots on net. I mean, I'm so, I feel like it's been years since the shots on net from the opposing team have been in the 20s. It's been nice to see this week. But, uh, but those guys just don't seem like they have a chance to score. Guys like Borgstrom, I, I know that Kershev definitely is not a grinder, but you feel like, you know, the guy has, He's every capable. once in a while, he shows yeah. some flashes of some nice passes. And working with a guy like Borkstra, maybe they could do something. Whereas a guy like Hardman and Kara and uh, Reese Johnson, I just don't feel like that's ever going to happen. All right, Jimmy, thank you for the phone call. Appreciate you listening. Uh, coming up next, Colby Cohen from the Blackhawks joins us. He's part of the TV, radio, digital content for the Blackhawks. We'll get his thoughts on this team that's won seven of their last ten. That's next. It's The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. We're back on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Blackhawks taking on the Rangers tonight at Madison Square Garden. It's a uh, 6 o'clock puck drop. Rangers Rangers are on a roll. They won their 7th straight at home last mm. night. They did lose their uh, number one goalie in the process. Shesterkin left the game with a lower body. I hate when I, when I strain my Shesterkin. But... Uh, <laughs> So he probably will not be in net tonight, but uh, we will see the one and only Colby Cohen. Uh, he is a former NHL defenseman. He won a national championship at Boston University. He is now part of the Blackhawks broadcast team, both on the TV and radio side, digital as well. He is everywhere. He's on the hockey show right now. Good morning, Colby. How you doing? Well, good morning, and what an introduction that was. And the reality is the question I was going to ask you is, when do you find time to sleep at night? I mean, does Mary know what you look like? You must be the hardest working guy in town, PB. No, that's, that's Kaplan. Yeah, that's that's David Kaplan. Just ask him. Um, I mean, I turn on I turn on NBC Sports, and you're doing football at one o'clock and hockey at six o'clock. Like and, and, and around and NFL picks at two o'clock in the yeah, afternoon. Don't, don't go with my fade my NFL picks. That's just that's my <laughs> well, little. T- and NHL, as we found out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we both thought that that, that we were the Blackhawks were in a tough spot against Washington. Uh, so when you look back at this last month, it was a month ago today. 
that Jeremy Colleton was relieved and Derek King got the phone call from Kyle Davidson. Where do you think this team has improved the most over the last month that has, you know, turned into seven wins in 10 games? Yeah, I think a lot of it has been uh, based in the neutral zone. Um, I know there's been so much made about the systems and, and, you know, the defensive zone. And, you know, I mean, look, when a team is struggling, you can really usually pick them apart in just about any area. But uh, one of the first things Derek told us and um, when he talked about coming in and he wasn't going to change drastically, start throwing monkey wrenches left and right, but one area that he identified was the neutral zone. Uh, and that was a little bit more of a mentality than systematic of, of making sure guys were uh, taking, you know, that defensive posturing in the neutral zone and making sure that that uh, third forward was, you know, properly placed. So, so the Blackhawks weren't just constantly back on their heels. And I think that's just resulted in uh, way less chances, given the goaltenders an opportunity to, to, you know, keep them in hockey games. And they've done just that. So I really think that the, their ability to clean it up in the neutral zone offensively and defensively, you know, has led to them just not spending as much time under duress in that defensive end. And, and look, it's led to a lot more wins this month than, or in the last month than we saw the first. Yeah, and we just had a caller, Colby, talk about it's great to see the cut, uh, cutting down on the uh, uh, opposition scoring chances and you know, not getting 40 shots on goal and high danger chances, which is great. And I guess it's like triage, right? You, you have to kind of you know, figure out where you stop the bleeding first so you simplify the defense. But we've been talking about it. Power plays one issue, but only two other teams have fewer goals than the Blackhawks, the Islanders and the Coyotes. So they have 47 goals for the Hawks do 33 for the Islanders, 43 for the Coyotes, 22 games. You're not even getting three goals a game. How do you start beyond just saying, well, guys are snake bit, and once they get, you know, Taves gets one goal, he'll get a, a flurry of them. How, do, how does this improve? Because your margin of error is still way too thin to, to expect to keep winning hockey games with barely getting three goals in a game. Yeah, well, I mean, look, you've got, you've certainly got players who can score goals. So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you look and you want to see a little bit of depth scoring in the back end of the lineup. Um, You know, you mentioned Kubalik. It's good to see him get on the board. You've got to hope he starts scoring goals for that, you know, second or third line, really depending on where he is. And, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's always tough when all of your, your goals are coming from, you know, let's say 88 and 12, um, because what happens if they go through a stretch? And I think we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, second chance opportunities, you know, especially on our shows and in, in the studio and kind of establishing body position and, and sort of owning the, the net front offensively like they have done defensively. And, you know, look, I, I think you actually just make a really great point there saying they kind of triaged a big hole and they found an area where they could really stop the bleeding. And that was cleaning it up defensively and not putting, you know, Flurry and Lankinen under so much stress all the time. And now uh, watching practice the last couple of days and even sitting with PB watching them, I think a lot of drills that they've been working on have been designed to um, – you know, score goals, two-on-ones, three-on-twos, you know, in transition. Like, I think that's the next part of the Blackhawks' development as a team where they're looking for their identity is is really uh, scoring goals on the rush. You know, Pat 
we we talked about that four game stretch when when uh, Derek King had just taken over, where they scored a goal in every game on the rush. And like you got to continue to score goals on the rush because when you're constantly having to get in the offensive zone and grind it out and grind it out and grind it out, that takes a lot out of your forwards. It tires guys out. Like you need those rush goals. You need to see guys like Jones jumping up in the play, being a second wave of attack, whether it's Kalnuck or Caleb Jones. You know, there's a couple of guys who are capable of getting in the play, Gustafson. You know, that's kind of what I think guys could could help this team a little bit is focusing on scoring some goals on the rush. And, you know, based on what I saw in practice over the last week, I, I think that's a big focus for them, you know, internally. Colby Cohen from the Blackhawks broadcast team joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The dilemma, Colby, that Derek King has, you know, you're trying to get somebody like Jonathan Taves going. Uh, it and Kane obviously have chemistry, scoring the two-on-ones at nauseum this year. The, the dilemma that he has when, when he splits up Dabrinkit and Kane, like we saw it, you know, they, they got one shift together at the end of the first period and they scored on it in Washington. And so it comes to the intermission and we're looking at each other like, well, he's got to stay with them. Right. And then he goes back to the other lines. What do you think that, that mental gymnastics is like for Derek to like, think like, okay, I'm going to spread the wealth. I want to get other guys going, but also realizing that you're, you're breaking up the best duo on the team. Yeah. I mean, and, and I said it the other night, I, I didn't, uh, I wouldn't do it, but then I, I put the asterisk in there that I trust Derek more than I trust me when it comes to <laughs> making those decisions, which is why I'm on the set and he's right. behind the bench, right? right. So, uh, you know, look, Derek was a 40-goal scorer. I mean, I'm pretty sure he scored 41 year, 38 another year in the NHL. I mean, you don't have two 40-goal seasons as a player in the NHL without really having a pretty good feel for what it's like to be a goal scorer. So my assumption is that he's drawing from his personal experiences of slumps and what he feels the best way to pull a certain player out of a goal-scoring slump is. And he must, as a staff, they must feel like the balancing act of potentially splitting up 88 and 12 on a regular basis is worth it to try to get 19 and 8 uh, opportunities with more skilled players. Now, uh, I'm not sure what we're going to see tonight, to be honest, because, again, Kane and, and Dabrinkit get out on the ice the other night for one one shift. They get the two-on-one. They score a goal. So, you know, maybe it's the kind of situation that, you know, uh, Derek is looking for little odds and ends of opportunities to get 88 and 12 out on the ice. But I do think uh, the Hall of Fame career that Taves has had um, I get why King wants to and is putting a big emphasis on, you know, getting him around players that can try to create with him. Because, look, it, it would be, you know, to, to, to get get the monkey off Taves' back and, and start to see your second, you know, centerman uh, feel good about his game offensively. I mean, that, that would take a lot of stress and pressure off having 88 and 12 being the guys who are really doing most of your producing and, uh, then all of a sudden you've got some different options with Brandon Hagel, who looks to me, who's continually uh, getting a little bit better and a little bit you know, more productive this season. What is it about Derek King? Uh, we were talking about traits for coaches who are successful, some of the elite ones. I, Mike Keenan's intimidating act probably doesn't work in today's NHL. 
you know, you're in such fear of the coach. Um, but coaches you played for, coaches you've observed, what what goes into making a coach consistently successful? I think respecting your players. Um, I really do. I mean, I, I think, look, John Tortorella, um, you know, who's, who's not working at the moment, but has been very successful. He's won Stanley Cups. I mean, he's, he's as tough as it gets to play for. But when you talk to his players, for the most part, I mean, every player has a different experience. But Cam Atkinson played for him for years in Columbus and had frequent trips to his doghouse. And Cam has told me he's one of his favorite coaches, John Tortorella, was to play for because he respected the players and you knew where you stood with him. And I think Derek King obviously doesn't have that John Tortorella route where he's an iron-fisted ruler type of coach. But the biggest, um, you know, the the most consistent trait that I see on these coaches that are successful year in and year out is I think there's a a respect that he gives the players or they give the players. So that means the players give it right back to the coach. I mean, I played for Jack Parker, who, you know, probably – not super well known in, in the, the area of Chicago because there's no college hockey here in Chicago, but he's a pretty, you know, legendary mm-hmm. college coach. He won multiple championships. The Bruins courted him for years. He was an iron fisted ruler. I mean, there's a book about him where his, he's called the iron fisted ruler. And, you know, I spent three years playing for him at BU where it was his way or the highway, but he still understood how to communicate and res- like he was, he was tough. And he was, you know, sometimes you felt like he wasn't being fair, but he just gave you a level of respect, like human to human, where even if you didn't like what he had to say, you felt like, okay, he's shooting me straight how he feels, so you can respect that back, and then you're willing to try things his way or, you know, whoever's way. And I think Derek, where everybody sees this guy who comes into the press conferences and he's quiet and he's sort of fun-loving and he jokes, Look, don't mistake that for a guy who's not commanding the respect of his players. I mean, just alone with his accomplishments as a player, he gets a a, a chip of credibility. But that doesn't mean the players are going to bow down to him. But he very much holds guys accountable. Like, Derek can shoot you a look, um, you know, with with that uh, Walter White, you know, (laughs) personality he's got going on there. And you know when he shoots you that look, like, I need to make a smarter play at the blue line there. Like, I need to, you know, I've seen him have moments with, you know, Doc or, or you know, any of the young players, you know, where he he, he knows when he needs to rein it in and when he needs to let guys go a little. And, and he's subtle, not so subtle, I guess, but, the like, you know, they, they were asking him about Doc passing up that glorious opportunity to shoot the puck from the slot from about 10 feet out. And he tried to go back door to Strom and, and didn't connect. And and uh, Derek said something like, "I think I gotta hit him with the hose oh, yeah. or something like that." But it's like, yeah, but he said funny, it in such it? yeah, he said it in such a way like like he was trying to joke about it. But I think that there was an underlying tone like, "Yeah, I gotta beat it into him." Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, yeah. I'm, I'm banging my head against the wall trying to get this guy to shoot more. When when when. Coaches preach something like shoot first mentality, and it doesn't happen. What's going through the player's mind? Why Why are you reluctant to, to release? Yeah, I mean, look, I, hockey players are too, you know, more than not, they're too selfless and not selfish enough. You know, right. some of those guys that 
like to pass the puck first. I think it's just beaten into you when you're a kid. I think your dad teaches you that an assist is just as good as a goal. And you get, you get that beaten into your head at a young age. Um, and look, you know, Kirby, certainly on that play you were talking about the other night, I mean, we're sitting there in the studio like, shoot, shoot. I mean, like, we, like, couldn't believe he didn't shoot the puck. But, hey, look, he saw something out there. He's an elite hockey player, obviously. The play doesn't work out. Um, but I, I think that's such a good example of, of how Derek King coaches PB. And I know that I'm, I'm not directly answering the question, but I'm, I'm, I just think that that's such a great example of how he does things. Because, look, he's going to say something to Kirby, and there's a respect level, and Kirby's not going to want to keep, like, quote-unquote, letting him down. Right. You know, like when a guy who you respect is like, Kirby, come on, shoot the puck, you're like, God, I, I got to try it his way. I got to do – I mean, and he didn't go to the media and rip on him. He made it a joke. He made a funny comment about it. I bet you Kirby saw it and probably laughed. They had a conversation. So, you know, I just love that's how he handles these types of scenarios. And, look, I um, I never minded shooting the puck. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, I was, you know, look. You were the guy I, they I were saying, Colby, shoot last, shoot yeah. last. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, who's open, Colby? power play. And when I was in college and I was on a, you know, playing on a power play with like Shattenkirk and Colin Wilson, they're like, Colby, like, you know, it's okay to get your head up every now and again. You don't have to shoot it every time. So I'll pass you the salt at the dinner table, but not much else than that, you know? <laughs> All right. Uh, what are the odds of uh, you and I and uh, Kaylee Chelios wearing the same clothes like we did uh, the other night? Hey, you can pull off the uh, Derek King sport coat tonight, too, if yeah. you want to. I. I- I was thinking about it since he, I have a really similar one that Derek wore, but I was thinking turtleneck tonight, mate. I don't know. We'll see. That's going to be a game time decision. We'll see. It is a little warm. Well, you'll be the lone one I, with the turtleneck on. And the, the, I, 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 <laughs> that's not my, I don't think I can pull that one you off. You don't even yet. own one probably, right? Uh, I might have a couple. Uh, Colby, great job as always. Thanks for joining us this morning. And I'll see you a little bit later on uh, this evening as All we right. get ready for Hawks and Rangers. All right, have a good day. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Colby. Colby Cohen from Chicago Blackhawks broadcast team. You can hear him tonight, 5.30 pregame show on NBC Sports Chicago. We're coming back with one-timers. Will the NHL actually go to the Olympics? We'll discuss that more on the other side. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. This hour of the Hockey Show is brought to you by Northwestern Basketball, Chicago's Big Ten team. Coach Collins and the Cats host DePaul, Illinois, Purdue, and more at Welsh Ryan Arena this winter. Buy tickets now at nusports.com. You're listening to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. One timers. One timer by Appleton. He's gone. On the hockey show. One time shot. On ESPN 1000. One more time. It's one timers on the hockey show. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle with you. Uh, coming up in just a bit, it's Chicago's College Tailgate live at Twin Peaks in Oak Brook. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah will be there getting you ready for championship Saturday in college football. Uh, my one timer is. The Olympics in February, the NHL says they're going to participate in the Olympics in China, but they have until the first week in January to uh, pull the plug on that. And that seems a little uh, little late, huh? Yeah, a little late <laughs> like who, who goes if, yeah. if they if they don't go? That 
uh, the, like they have the scrubs ready to go, right? The uh, but but here, so here's the deal. I, I am a fan of the NHL playing in the Olympics. I know it's not ideal that your season has to shut down. Personally, gives me a little time to recharge oh, the, uh, yeah. the batteries and go away for a little bit. Uh, but no, but I, where do you go, Rockford? Go watch the Miami yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I usually go to the OHL. I yeah. like to, I like to take some. I just got to take some hockey in. Um, and so, like guys like Patrick Kane, look, they want to grow this sport, just like the Dream Team grew basketball by going to the Olympics. Again, it did not disrupt the NBA season; it disrupted Michael Jordan's golf game. Yeah. So I'm for it. But the problem is this: Beijing and China have the, have have a rule now that if you test positive, you must quarantine in China for three weeks. And there goes your Olympics. There goes your Olympics. There goes coming back and playing in the NHL for a week or two as yep. well. So some of these guys are, are you're you're hearing rumblings that they are uh, obviously not happy with that. And okay, oh by the way, the medical conditions that they're going to be under. It's not like they're going to be staying at a world class healthcare facility like we have here in Chicago. So it, it, here's the thing: if the owners hear more and more and more of this, they're going to say, look, why are we stopping down for three weeks for said star to pull out or decide they don't want to go at the last minute? Maybe we need to make the decision for them. Yeah, and I, look, I'm not a fan of the Olympics in general. I mean, back in the day when I was growing up and it was basically the Cold War way, you know, you, you, you showed your superiority over Eastern Bloc countries by winning the Olympics and those great stories of mom and dad getting up and driving their kids to the rink at five in the morning to become a great athlete and all that They're, everyone's a pro now right any every olympic player has got millions of dollars uh, in name a sport i mean the fencers have like endorsement deals do right? they do the fencers yeah, have stories okay, maybe but i mean they all live in colorado year yeah. round and train and it's terrific right but there's no amateur ideal anymore and you said it. it's to grow the sport yes i think it demeans and diminishes your product by saying we're shutting down for three weeks in the middle of our season because this is better than the nhl now, you know, Bill Wirtz, the first one in Nagano, he was against it, too, and might be the only thing we ever agreed on. I, I just, uh, But that, that said, I, it seems like the owners always use that as a threat to the players, too, when they're trying to negotiate a CBA or whatever. You're not going to the Olympics. We're not sure you're going to the Olympics. Right. And now this is weird when you're telling me that because of COVID, the players are maybe a little reticent to go. And, I mean, I've read where the vaccines in China are half as effective as what we have here. We're lucky to have here. So, I mean, it's a mess. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't like suspending your season for that length of time. Um, you know, I don't want to begrudge you a chance to catch your breath there. <laughs> but I just, I'm not a fan of the Olympics, and I'd be okay if they didn't Well, go. we've got some time to discuss this. We'll bring this up next week on the Hockey Show. Up next is Chicago's College Tailgate with Bleck and Abdallah. For our producer, Tyler Aki, for Brian Hanley, I'm Pat Boyle. Thank you for listening to the Hockey Show. We'll see you next time.